Lord, this your son has no words. Give him utterance. Let him speak your very oracles. Anoint my eyes with eye salves and make my lips the pen of a ready writer to inscribe upon the tablets of, of the hearts of your people. Let philosophies, strongholds, arguments, ideologies that has clouded the hearts of your people from receiving your word be broken now. Let them be open to you. And all the praise will be given to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Let's keep playing. Hallelujah. There is a reason why we praise and worship. We chant. It creates an atmosphere. Sound is very powerful. There is an atmosphere where worldly sound can produce inside you. Any sound you produce brings into your atmosphere the spirit that inspired it. So anytime we praise and worship, the spirit of God rides on it. Praise God. So it's good to make holy sounds. A time is going to come when we meet, we're going to be singing our own songs. All these songs are songs. Except ah, the rest of them we sang it. We're going to be producing our own songs. We have plenty of them. In our new auditorium, we're going to make a, a space in the upstairs. It's a studio. Be doing worship and praise there for hours. You see the inscription in the house of David worship. We enter there, we just praise God just like that. We record them, bring it out. God loves to be enthroned in praise and worship. He loves it. And sometimes when we gather like this, we're supposed to be singing to him. Because everything that we do in service, most of the time, are things we, we actually receive from God. When I'm teaching you, you are receiving something from God. One major thing that we give to God is praise. It's worship. Thanksgiving. That's why you don't, miss with, you don't mess up with some of these things. Because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So when it comes to ministering to God in songs and sounds... You're supposed to be very active because the blessings you gain when you give to God cannot be compared to what you gain when you receive from him. Are you following this? So last week we began to look at um, a new series we titled Christian Maturity. Christian Maturity. Apostle Bernardio, welcome here. God bless you so much. It's good to see you again. Always a blessing to see you. Thank you. We appreciate your coming. Amen. Christian maturity. We looked at a course outline that we were supposed to follow. Time won't permit me to go through the course outline. But 
the first thing we looked at was on the need to grow as children of God. And we looked at some scriptures. We said that everything that has life must grow. And anything that is not growing is dying. We explain that growth is very essential in the life of the believer. We saw many scriptures. Then we began to look at what is spiritual growth. And we said that spiritual growth is the increase in knowledge, understanding, and wisdom in the things of God and his kingdom. Um, whilst I was doing meditation, the Lord gave me more definitions. So I'm going to update your notes today. We also said that spiritual growth is the ability to apply scriptures accurately via the enlargement of our spiritual capacity. Now, let me just update your notes on what spiritual growth is. You can put it down. Spiritual growth is the gradual consistent steady accumulation of wealth riches and prosperity in the soul of the believer I'm going to repeat that again so don't worry don't fret at all spiritual growth is the gradual consistent and steady accumulation of wealth, riches, and prosperity in the soul of the believer. So what we can say is that it is the amassing of spiritual wealth and prosperity in the soul of the child of God. So when your soul is prospering spiritually, when your soul is steadily and consistently accumulating wealth and riches, you are growing spiritually. How do I know that? 10 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. A lot of times people have a misconstrued understanding of prosperity. When we say prosperity, the first thing that comes to mind is money. That's wrong. That's not just wrong, it's an error. If that is the definition you have about prosperity, then you lack understanding and you need to be taught. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that God was with Joseph and he prospered. Meanwhile, he was in prison. How does a man prosper in prison per our definition of prosperity? So prosperity goes beyond money. Money can be an expression or, or a subset of prosperity. But true prosperity is the riches of a man's soul. So prosperity is not how much you have in your bank account. It's how much of God you have been groomed into.
when you read the book of Luke chapter 12, the verse 15 to 26, you're going to see something interesting. Please, this teaching will bless your life. So please pay attention. Luke 15, the verse, sorry, Luke 12, the verse 15. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things that he possesses. Are you getting that? So your life does not consist of the abundance of things that you have in your possession. That's why it's a sin to envy unbelieving rich people. It's an insult to God. He says, and he spake a parable on, unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I again do. I will pull down my bands and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and mine goods. And I will say unto my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and marry. This is man's definition of prosperity. And God said unto him, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Now look at the verse 21. That is the game changer. Read together. One, two, loudly go. So is he that layeth up what? Treasure for himself and is not. Wow. You need to answer some questions for yourself right now. How much wealth do you have in God? That is what truly defines you in the spirit. So is he that laid up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Listen, there is riches in an account and there is riches towards God. We work to gain riches in the world. Likewise, we work to get riches in God. So when we are speaking of spiritual growth, we are speaking of spiritual wealth. There are people you can see their life, you know this guy is a rich man. I'm talking of spiritual wealth. You, you know he has built capacity in God. Oh yes. May you be that person in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So, Revelation chapter 3, the verse 14 to 18. Interesting, interesting. I am going to hammer on this until you change. Revelation chapter 3. From the verse 15. Are you ready? Okay, let's read from the verse 14. He says, the angel of the church of Laodiceans, right? These things say the amen and the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, I would, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That means you become irrelevant. Now look at verse 17. He says, Because thou sayest, I am rich. 
I am increasing goods. I have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. It is possible you may look good on the outside, but look terrible and miserable on the inside. You may look rich on the outside, yet spiritually you are poor. You may look like you can see with your two eyes in the flesh, but spiritually you are blind. So, this is God's definition of that church in a spiritual description of their state before him. So, when God looks at you today, what account does he give? Remember, in the account where God spoke to Saul, he says, but men look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. So, when men are greeting you by what they can see on the outside, God is taking a scan on the inside. Next point on spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is the spiritual advancement and progress in a believer's pursuit of Christ. Spiritual growth is a believer's spiritual advancement and progress in his spiritual pursuit of God. It is the spiritual advancement and progress in a believer's pursuit of God. Quickly, let's move to the next spiritual growth. It is the alignment and the even balance of spirit, soul, and body of the believer in conformity to Christ. I repeat. It is the alignment and the even balance of the spirit, soul, and body of the believer in conformity to Christ. Let me explain. Listen. The salvific plan of God is trapatite. What I mean by that is that God's salvation plan is complete. It is to complete man. Because man is a spirit, he has a soul and lives in a body. Some don't believe that. But that is what I believe and makes the scripture easy for me to understand. Because I saw it in the Bible, it says the Lord sanctify you spirit, soul and body. Some believe they are all one. Well, for the purpose of explanation, let's keep it this way. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Remember, through the fall, man's spirit died, which is separation from God. His soul was corrupted, and his body became mortal. Right? So, for the total and complete salvation to be made possible, God had to design a plan of restoration in those three dimensions. Are you following this? So now, the first part of you that got born again was your spirit man. It has the total capacity of God, the, the, the entire power of God. Whatever God has as a plan for you is already in your spirit. But guess what? Your soul is not aware of it because your soul is still corrupted. It's still darkened. Are you following that? And your body is still mortal. So when we are talking of spiritual growth, now it is you bringing your body and, and soul into alignment of the fullness of God in your spirit. Are you following this? So that alignment, when there is a balance, your spirit is no more than your soul. When there is an alignment, we said a man is growing. Are you following this, Tato? Good. Next point. 
Spiritual growth is the progressive formation of Christ in the believer. Spiritual growth is the progressive formation of Christ in the believer. Galatians chapter 4, the verse 19. He says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again unto Christ be formed in you. Amazing. So spiritual growth is the formation of Christ in you. Now hear this very, very carefully. We are already like Christ. We are becoming like Christ. And we will become like Christ. They are all true. Someone was making mockery of another guy who was praying that Jesus, I want to become more like you. He said, you don't have revelation. The revelation is weak. Who told you you are becoming like Christ? We are already like Christ. He was laughing at him. Forget he was laughing at himself. When we say we are already like Christ, it's in a context. Your spirit man looks like Jesus. For this is the record that God has given to us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whosoever has the son has life. The same life in Christ is the same life we have. We have the same life. You are already like him. Romans 8.29 For those he foreknew, he predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn. Greek is prototokos. Which means a model, a sample amongst many brethren. In the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus was the only begotten son of God. In his resurrection, he became the firstborn. There's a difference. When Christ came on earth, he came as the only begotten son. When he died and rose, he came as firstborn. That means others rose with him. So God has other sons. Are you following that? So we have the very genes of God. We are already like Christ in the context of our spirit. Now we are becoming more like Christ in the context of where? Our soul. Because you still have wrong thoughts. You have to be renewed in your spirit of your mind. Romans 12, 2, he says that do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the aspect of the believer becoming like Christ is what we call spiritual growth. Are you following this? So on account of regeneration, you're already like Christ. On account of spiritual growth, you are becoming like Christ. On account of rapture, you will become like Christ. Following? Is it getting clear? So it's the formation of Christ in you. Lastly, spiritual growth, maybe this one, you don't even need to write it. You just need to know it. You know, a lot of times when we are talking of physical growth, okay, when you see a man growing, the man, you see that his um, height is increasing. At first, he didn't have beard. Then he starts growing beard. His chest, chest is, you know, when we are studying um, adolescence and puberty, you know, he said, yeah, yeah, broad chested, the arms begins to increase, pubic hairs in the armpit and somewhere else, you know. So these are, you know, the signs of growth um, um, physically. A lot of times we are tempted to think when we say a man is growing spiritually, that means he's growing in height. No, spiritual growth is not in height, it's in heart. <laughs> I pass, I pass. I pass. How many now? 
Seven. All right. <laughs> so, when you are growing spiritually, it's not that your, your spiritual height is increasing. Then, from here, it's, it's like, it's going like, no, no, no. Let me explain. When we say a man is growing, that means there's a certain balance, there's a certain alignment of his spirit and his soul which has found expression in his body. Because your spiritual life does not grow tall or short. It is conforming more to Christ. That is what we talk about when we're talking about spiritual growth. So I wrote something now here. I said spiritual growth is not by height and by size, but a spiritual alignment. When the reality of your spirit has become a consciousness in your soul, finding expression in the deeds of your body, then you are growing. So now, Christ redeemed you and put his spirit inside you. This man does not know. Have you forgotten that? When, when in the book of Acts chapter 3, um, Jesus died, okay, um, some days ago during that time. And when he died, the Bible says the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. Which meant that God had left the man-made temple and his agenda was to live in a what? God-made temple. Are you getting that? Which was our bodies. So on the day of Pentecost, which is Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost came, he filled them and took their body as his temple. So when Peter was going to the temple, he didn't know he was the temple. He didn't get this thing. In Acts chapter 3, when Peter was going to the temple to go and pray, at that time, his soul has not captured the revelation that he himself was the temple going to the temple. So the problem of spiritual growth is that there is a reality in your spirit. There is a knowledge. If you don't know it, you remain a victim. When you begin to come into alignment with God's plans and purposes for your life and you come into full understanding and alignment of what God has done for you in you and through you and with you, then it means that you are making spiritual progress, which we call growth. I'm teaching good. So for example, you are the type of Christian that says that, hey, the moment I do something, that means I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'm afraid. I'll go to hell. Now, that consciousness is producing fear. The moment light comes to you, and you get to realize that no, you are secured in Christ Jesus. That knowledge is a sign of growth. Please, are you following that? So the growth we are talking about here is not increment of height. But the transformation of your heart. Please, is it clear? Good. So I put a point upon here. The goal of spiritual growth is Christ-likeness. If not, it is useless. So if you say you are growing and you're not looking more like Christ, that growth is a problem. I, I hope you know there are different kinds of growths. There are growths that are sicknesses. Have you seen a man whose neck is... You know, is it goiter they call it? The neck is big like that. It's a growth, but it's a wrong growth. So, there is a kind of growth that you can grow in the opposite direction. You can grow in evil. <laughs> so, there, there are different levels of spiritual growth. Eh? You can grow in evil. You can grow in wickedness. That's goiter. Elephantiasis. It's a kind of growth. But those growths destroy. 
That's why when any other growth that is not normal comes to you, they have to perform a surgery. Have you realized that? Because though it's a growth, it's a growth that destroys, not a growth that is constructive. Are you getting that? So that is why if you don't grow spiritually, other growth will appear. Please, is somebody getting this thing? So the goal of spiritual growth is what? Christ, like that's your goal. That's your goal. If you don't put Christ there as the pursuit, everything you are doing is useless. So, last week we began to look at why must we grow and mature spiritually? Why is this so important? Let me state them because I have to cover some few things today. Okay? So, so when will you people give me the permission to camp you here for six hours? You are ready? Okay. Are you ready? He said he's ready. Are you ready? Okay, the, somebody just look at me and then I'll come on. I'm sorry, I was just testing you. It's okay. All right. Why spiritual growth is so important? We said that number one because Jesus grew. Read your Bible. In the book of Luke, chapter 2, the verse 40 and 52, the Bible says, and he grew. So if Jesus grew, it is an implication on us that you can never look like Jesus outside of spiritual growth. So how come Jesus was growing? Now, I hope you are not tempted to think the growth here is talking about physical growth. Because they don't need to write that Jesus grew physically. Because they knew that he grew physically. I get what I'm saying. So the growth here is a spiritual growth. He grew. He obeyed the protocols that causes a man to grow spiritually. Check your Bible. In Luke 14, he, he fasted. Luke 5.16, prayer was his life. In the same Luke 4, the Bible tells us that he went to church service. That's the temple as his custom. In the same Luke 4, the Bible tells us that he opened the Bible to read the book of Isaiah. That means that Jesus was a Bible reader. When he quoted, it is written. He, he was not quoting by his head though. He had to study it for himself. The word of God, study the word of God to quote the word of God. You got that? The word of God did what? Study the word of God to quote the word of God. So it's written, I said, it didn't come from his spirit. He had to go through the same process to let us know that you also have to grow the same way. That's number one. Number two, we said that because it is a command. Why is growth necessary? Because God commanded it. As newborn babes, design the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's a command, it's an instruction. Therefore, disobedience to growing spiritually is a sin. So I said, the very damages that sin causes to a believer are the very damages not growing spiritually causes to you. Sin exposes you to the devil. Not growing exposes you to the devil. Sin makes you weak spiritually. Not growing makes you weak spiritually. So every damage that sin can do to you, not growing as a child of God can do the same to you. So it's a command. We are to grow by command. Number three, we said that it helps us to distinguish between good and evil. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, the Bible says, strong meat belongs to those who are mature. That's NIV. 
who by reason of use or practice have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. When you grow, you are able to know right from wrong. You know that we win in bed is not right. Nobody will tell you. You know it. So, you are able to distinguish. You are able to have discernment of what is wrong and what is right. Give your phone to a child. The child will smash it on the floor. I always use my daughter as an example. She smashed my phone three times yesterday evening. If there was no gorilla screen there, by now the phone would have been useless. Because she doesn't know its function. To her, it's a toy. She doesn't know what is a phone. She doesn't know what is a toy. It's the same with baby Christians. They don't know what is right from wrong. They just make all kinds of choices. So, growth is important because it gives you the ability to discern right from wrong. Please, are you following this? Number four, we said that spiritual growth cooperates with the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. Growth is important because it cooperates with the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. Growth is a process, right? And it is manned by the Holy Spirit. Anything about spiritual growth, the Holy Ghost is the one in charge. So anytime a child of God is not growing, what is happening is that he is not cooperating with the Holy Ghost. What it also means is that he will begin to frustrate the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. If you are not growing as a child of God, you will make it a hard time for the Holy Spirit. He, he's going to struggle. So, it grieves the Holy Spirit when we don't grow. Number five. We said that spiritual growth is what qualifies you for Christian leadership. Spiritual growth is what qualifies you for Christian leadership. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the verse 6. Check it out for yourself. If you read the verse 1, the Bible says, whoever desires the work of a bishop desires a very good thing. That means if you desire to be um, a leader, a Christian leader, it's a very good thing. But he's saying that, come to the verse 6. He began to give qualifications for ministry. Gift was not one of them. I explained it to you last week. He says that he is not supposed to be a novice. Give that to me in NLT. An elder must not be a new believer. That's a baby. Because he might become proud and the devil will cause him to fall. So it's easy for you to backslide as a child of God when you quickly become a leader when you have not been matured. Praise God. It is through growth that you understand that true leadership is service. Praise God. I'm sure sometimes maybe on my birthday or pastor's appreciation day when they are celebrating me and then uh, you are looking at the way they put the flowers on the floor and I'm walking and say, hey, Charlie leadership bear do. It's just a one day. It's just a one day celebration. In between that one day celebration, the kind of things I do as a leader, you have no idea. You have no idea. And these things, I have trained myself that it doesn't enter my head. You can imagine a new convert and I'm putting flowers on the floor. How are you? God bless you. Bring your head. Bring your head. Grace. Sometimes when people clap for me, they do, I have to go and wash this off my mind. I have to wash the praises of men off my hand. It, it's a leadership skill. If you don't know it and you're a babe, you enter quickly into leadership. Pride will kill you. 
So listen to me. Real leadership is service. Today, leadership in government is V8. Big boys. But actually, true leadership is service. Look, look with me to the book of Matthew chapter 20. Let me show you something serious here. Anybody that wants to be a Christian leader or a leader anywhere, Matthew chapter 20, the verse 26. No, look at the verse 25 first. This one will shock you. He says that Jesus called unto them and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they are great exercise, uh, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. He says, The great people of this world they exercise authority by lording it over the people. You are my subordinate. You are my subordinate. You have to serve me. If you disrespect me, I'll finish you. He's saying that. The verse 26, he says, But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your servant. That's the word minister. Give that to me in NIV. He says, Ah, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Look at the next verse. Next verse. Not so with you. Instead, whosoever wants to be great amongst you must be your servant. The verse 28. Look, look. He says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, true leadership is service and sacrifice. It takes maturity to understand it. You know the number of sacrifices I've made for people? You have no idea. We can't come and come and blow a trumpet with it. But if you don't understand sacrifice and service, forget about leadership. Today when we talk of leadership, people think it is when you are not accessible as a man of God. So there are people, when they close church, they just enter their office. You can't assess them. So a lot of times, unfortunately, many Christians have been deceived. Today, a man of God is a true man of God when he's not accessible. When you can't easily see him, then he's a man of God. That's why many of you have abused the access that we give to you. Because you think when you are easily accessible, then you are not too relevant. When it is difficult to meet you, then this man is a great man of God. I am telling you. So some have abused it. The moment you enter the Torah, you can see the man of God. So you have taken him for granted. But you go to a place, we come and say, hey, move! He say, hey, Charlie. <laughs> the, Charlie, the man is a big man. Oh. Hey, Charlie, that means I have to go with a big seed. Oh. You don't get this thing. We don't get this thing. The ball game is simple. True leadership is service. So when you come to a place where you understand what it means to serve and sacrifice, you are qualified for leadership. Sleepless nights, I have to wake up 12 a.m. praying for you almost every day. From 12 to 5, 3 to 7, at dawn, 
praying, Lord, protect them. Lord, preserve them. Lord, keep them. Lord, prosper them. Bring them into maturity. Cause them to be aligned. I stand against every power of darkness, against their life. It's sacrifice. Please, are you following this thing? So true leadership is sacrifice and service. Number, number what? Number six, we said that without spiritual growth, God cannot entrust you with his precious things and spiritual resources. Listen. You can't, God can't do much with your life if you're not growing as a child of God. Are you following this? This should answer a lot of questions. That God, why is that I've prayed about this thing? You're not giving it to me. Meanwhile, I've given it to somebody. You don't, when you understand spiritual good, you know why God denies certain people certain things. Oh, can you teach quantum physics to a two-month-old baby? You put the baby in the court and then you draw an equation. X, Y, Z is equal to Y, V, W, E squared. Even me, I'm confused. <laughs> Raised to the power 23 times 4 times 8. Solve the equation. They are telling the baby. Baby, watch it. Find X. Thank you. X is quantum. Then the child. You know what the child will do? The child will watch it. Atata. Atata. That's the child's response to you. Oh, we are the for Anwaka. That's the last time. Like I said, it's finished. Be watching you, he doesn't understand what you're saying. You can't teach physics to a child. Likewise, God cannot be able to entrust you with his secrets. Have you realized when you're a baby, mother can't tell you, even when she's crying, you think she's laughing. So the mother can't even tell the baby what I'm going through. But you do you realize that your, your child, if you are a mother, you have a daughter, your daughter can grow to become your sister, then you can tell her secrets about yourself. Why are you weeping? This is what is wrong, bothering my heart. You can share secrets. God cannot entrust you with many things. Spiritual resources where you are not growing. Now, today's message, which is number what? Seven, which is gene. Spiritual growth is important because it makes you strong, fit, and capable of dealing with your three enemies. Spiritual growth makes you strong, fit, and capable of dealing with your three enemies. First John chapter 2, the verse 13 and 14. Listen, one advantage growth gives you is strength and fitness. So the if you don't give yourself to growth, you'll be weak. And unfortunately, you have three enemies. The first enemy is the world. Second enemy is the flesh. The third enemy is the devil. If you are not growing, you'll be no match for them. They'll make a mess out of your life. He says, I write unto you fathers. I'm going to be explaining it very soon. Because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men. You see now Christians are not the same. He says, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Look at the next verse. 
He says, I've written unto you fathers because you have known him. That is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because you are strong. And the word of God abided in you and you have what? Overcome the wicked one. So your strength determines your overcoming power. I'm telling you. You'll be able to overcome temptations. You'll be able to resist sin. You'll be able to overcome the deeds and the weapons of darkness thrown against you. Why? Because you have what it takes to. So spiritual growth is important because it makes you fit strong. To deal with your three enemies. You can imagine a child having a bowl of rice outside when you have a house in the house. A child can be able to identify a child. So that the fowl can come and then put the mouth inside the, the food. chicken. Then the baby will go, Mama, Mama, eh, eh. The mommy will come. <sighs> when you grow, you're holding your food. Now, he's come to eat with you. When he sees somebody who's grown, eh? <laughs> the child, the, the father will have the cement. That no 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 no. On my shirt. On my you're not bad chicken. It will be an other chicken. Please, are you following this thing? So so, uh, who has an earpiece here? Earpiece. All right. Now, if you use this earpiece to tie a two-month-old baby. Okay, like the baby Linda is holding there. Now, this baby can wait for a long time. It can free itself. It will cry. But let's try putting this earpiece on your hands. Whilst you are tying, you are even laughing. Because you just do, boom, it's gone. Are you, realizing, are you realizing that? Because growth gives you a certain strength to come out of certain traps that Satan puts on you that those who are not growing can't come out. Listen, there are some things that automatically leaves you when you grow. Huh? They leave you. The more you are becoming stronger, some things leaves you. Those times when I started building my prayer life, do you know the thing that happened to me at, at dawn? When I went to sleep, then it's like a spirit comes to sit on my head. Person may catch Jesus and Jesus! I don't remember the last time it ever happened. I can't remember. If it has happened to you recently, own up and lift your hands. Let me see. <laughs> uh huh. Now, now, I realize people didn't raise their hands. Okay. When those kind of attacks come, it's a sign that you need to increase more capacity. Please, are you following this? It's a sign that you need to what? Increase capacity. Please, are you following this thing? The thing working? There are some dreams that will drop when you start growing. You will not even pray about it. They'll go. I know what I'm saying. Is it working? Am I eight? Why is growth important? Fruitfulness and reproduction. 
only happens when you grow. Fruitfulness and reproduction happens when? Only when you grow. That's why growth is very important. I know this example is the best example I can give to you. Please, can I ask you a question? Uh, I didn't hear you. Can I ask you a question? Can a three-year-old girl be pregnant? Can a three-year-old boy impregnate? Why? Because his body is not yet developed. He has the potential but undeveloped. He has to develop and grow into manhood. So just like a three-year-old girl cannot be pregnant, a three-year-old believer cannot be fruitful. He cannot reproduce. So fruitlessness and spiritual barrenness is a product of not growing. I'm teaching good. Listen, without spiritual growth, all the possibilities of God in you will become a potential. It will remain a potential. Without spiritual growth, all the possibilities of God in you will remain a potential. What it means is that if the three-year-old girl is not growing, though she has what it takes to be a mother, it is in potential. If she does not grow, it will remain a potential. Have you realized it is more easier to kill a baby lion called a cab than to kill a lion itself? May the Lord give you understanding. Likewise, when believers grow up spiritually, they become tough. You can't be easily handled. I'm teaching good. Number nine. Spiritual growth is necessary for fulfilling God's call and assignment for your life. Why is spiritual growth important? Because it is necessary for fulfilling God's call and assignment for your life. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. I repeat again. Spiritual growth is necessary for fulfilling God's call and assignment for your life. Which means that without spiritual growth, a believer cannot be able to fulfill God's plan and assignment for his life. I tell you, because you won't even know it. <laughs> the Bible says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for um, correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto what? All good works. So hear me. Without being furnished, perfected, doing God's work is going to be difficult. 
Have you realized it is when you are finished and thoroughly, when you are perfect and totally finished that you're able to do all good works? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some teachers, pastors, evangelists, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. So without perfection, we can't do the work of ministry. So when I see people saying, the man of God, I want to know what God has called me to do. I can't tell you even fully what God has called you to do. They are products of spiritual growth. The more you are growing, the more it's exposed to you. I told the church the last time that, listen, when people want to be doctors, okay, you know, two doctors are not the same. There are some who are surgeons. There are some who are what? Dentists. There are some who are what? Gynecologists. <laughs> some are what? Neurologists. Some are surgeons, right? But they are medical doctors. Have you realized when they start, they all start doing general courses. The more they advance, then they branch into what? Specifics. It's the same with our Christian faith. We all start generally with the Bible. Obeying the word of God generally. Doing what ordinary lay Christians do. Prayer, fasting. The more we advance in them, then God himself opens his specific way for our lives. That's how it works. So if you're not obeying the general will, he cannot expose this, the perfect will. Are you getting that? So he says, I want to, I want to know actually, actually on the, you see, that one, I can't sit down and teach you. It took me close to 14 years of working with God before he showed me my actual assignment. Close to how many years? 40 years. Someone is sleeping at the back. Tap the person. How many years? 14 years of working with the Lord. Then God showed me my actual assignment. So all that 14 years, what was he doing? What was I doing? Please, you follow what I'm saying? So listen, it takes time, patience for the unveiling of God's call. And growth is what seals it up. Praise God. Finally, before we go into the next one, why is it important that we grow? When you grow, you become independent. In other words, spiritually responsible. Now, you need to understand my context of independent. Independence here is not you not needing God. Independence here is not needing aid to accomplish certain things. Have you realized when you grow up, you don't need your mother to take you to the washroom to go and wee-wee. You're able to do them yourself. When a child is one year, mama must feed him. When he grows to by the age of 10 years, he can eat himself. That's what we call independence here. You are able to read the Bible for yourself. Please, are you following this? So, growth is important because when you grow, you become what? Independent. And interdependent. You depend on other believers also. Mutual. That's a mutual dependence. So when you are a child, they have to change your diapers. They have to change your pampers. They have to change. They have to feed you. If they don't do those things, you can't do it. So I put something down. It's sad, but it's true. Infants, Christians, drain the body of Christ. 
If you remain a child of God, you are a frustration to the body of Christ. I'll tell you why. Put a group of two-year-old children in a room and let us assign you to take care of them from morning to evening. You'll be frustrated. This one will be fighting. This one will swallow himself. This one will poo-poo. By the time you are changing, the other one too is poo-pooing. Before you realize these two people are fighting, you go and you go and patter them. Then the other ones are fighting. They will move you. They say, sit down. By the time you go, they have moved. Have you realized that? So by the time the day has ended, you are what? Drained. Put a group of 30-year-old men in a place and let's say you should watch over them. Do you have that problem? No. <laughs> so when you have many children, you have many problems. Have you realized here yeah, I don't solve too many problems? You know why? Because I'm investing to help you grow. We will not have to solve many problems. When Christians are growing, problems become limited. This one's in Timmy. This one's in Wakami. Then every Sunday, you are doing reconciliation party. Hey! They say, it's okay, it's okay. Don't mind him. Don't, don't mind him. Don't mind him. I shouldn't mind him like how? You, you can't take people for granted though. Hey, this one is not talking to this. This one is not talking to this. This one will see this one's time. They come and pass by. What kind of problem is that? What kind of problem is that? So, if you find churches where there are all kinds of divisions, this one is not talking to this one. This one is envying this one. This one is angry with this one. This one is saying, uh, the, uh, the, the worst thing eh, is to destroy people so that people should inherit your enemies. That's the worst thing. You spoil people so that the, your, your enemy becomes somebody's enemy. Meanwhile, the person has not spoken to the person. Then you also, ingenious. <laughs> then you also see the person in your life. Meanwhile, I have not spoken to the person before. Listen, your bad experience with people don't make them bad people. I repeat, your bad experiences with people don't make them bad people. So don't quickly inherit people's enemies. There was one time one friend told me that this person, this thing, be careful of him, he's not a good guy. Before I realized I was taking selfie with him, he said, hey! He has taken selfie with, with him. He says, great man of God. So imagine me too. I just went. I said, God, this guy's hurt me. How am I you? You miss it. I'm telling you. You miss it. So the point we are trying to make here is that when you are not growing, you have frustration. Last week, I returned from all night. Saturday all night. By the time I went to, my daughter was awake. I didn't sleep. Eh? From the all night, ah, I slept 6 p.m. Because she'll climb you. She'll scratch your face. She'll pull your hair. She'll cry on you. She'll torment you. Then you'll wake up. So you can't sleep. You'll leave her in the hall. By the time you're going and coming, she's going close to the plug to go and plug it. You are scared. You have to come and come and carry her. So when you're going somewhere, you're going like this. <laughs> So, it's a bad thing. It's a frustration. So, children 
give frustration to the body. Mr. Gosh is laughing because he has children. His, his children, they, they are hardcore. They are gangsters. Gangsters. Hardcore gangsters. Hey. Now, oh, 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 it's a frustration. You, 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 you are drained every single time. So the more baby Christians we have, the more pressure and frustration we have in the body of Christ. And unfortunately, there are too many children in the body of Christ. And they are the ones causing problems. Please. Eh? It's an indictment against you that you don't grow. Tell him. And fatal. So why a Christian need ten years now? Ni. Onse wa shemenim. Let me do this in ten minutes. Divine facts about spiritual growth. All this is our introductory messages into my real message. Hmm? Is to help you. Number one, spiritual growth is not easy, but it is possible. Spiritual growth is not easy, but it is possible. Please, anybody who wants to begin a journey of growth, I'm telling you, you won't get it easy. It is not easy at all, but it is possible. That's number one. Number two, spiritual growth is not something we make happen. Yet, it will not happen without us. Spiritual growth isn't something we make happen, yet it will not happen without us. Spiritual growth is not something we make happen, but yet it will not happen without us. Please, are you getting this? I'll give you an example. Now, assuming I'm a farmer, I have a seed, okay? And I want some mangoes out of the seed. Now, assuming I said that, let me just leave the seed on the pulpit for the seed to grow. Would the seed grow? Why? Because it's a wrong environment. So I have to plant the seed by a certain effort and dig the ground, put the seed there, cover it, water it. What, when I do my side, the law of nature responsible for growing the seed will what? Work on the seed, then it will grow. Are you getting that? So it is not the farmer making the seed grow, but the farmer positioning the seed by effort in a place where it can grow. Are you getting that? Likewise, we are saying that spiritual growth does not happen by us, yet it cannot happen without us. It is God that actually brings the increase. Paul planted Apollo's water. It was God that gave the increase. But without your planting and watering, there will be no increase. When someone wants to get a huge body and he goes to the gym and he looks at the metals, will he become strong? <laughs> you just go there, you watch the metals. Then you go back home. <laughs> will, will anything happen? So there's an effort. You have to lift the metals. You have to push the metals. You have to push the metals. We're pushing it. 
be pushing it, be pushing it. Now what happens is that over time, the hormones in you that are responsible for growing the muscles, they will start to operate naturally. You don't tell the hormones to do it. But the more you put pressure on the muscles, the hormones inside you will bring it out. Please, are you following this thing? So there is an effort involved in growth. If you don't do it, it won't happen. Yet it doesn't happen by you. Are you getting this thing? Mr. Linda, open your eyes. Hallelujah. Please, when you are here, you don't meditate, okay? Just don't meditate. <laughs> I know you want to tell me you are just thinking on the Lord, you are watching on the Lord, you are meditating, but please, we don't meditate by this time, okay? So I just want to assume that Mr. Linda is meditating. So you just meditate after service. Hallelujah. Number three. <laughs> The first step to spiritual growth is the desire to grow. 1 Peter 2 2. The first step to spiritual growth is what? Desire to grow. This one is the secret I've given to you. If you don't desire to grow, you never grow. I'm telling you. He says, as newborn babes, desire the what? Sincere milk of the word that you may grow. So, if there is no desire, there's no growth. It, that's the first step to growth. Desire. There should be a hunger inside you for growth. Dear Lord, I want to know you. I'm hungry. I'm desperate for you. If that desire is not there, it won't happen. Are you following this? Yes. As the deer pounds for the water, so my soul pounds for you. There should be a certain desire inside you. That's the first step to growth. Number four. All Christians are not the same. Believers are measured by their growth levels. Believers are measured by their growth levels. Believers are measured by their what? Growth levels. So simply put, our level of growth is what separates us as believers. As we are all seated here, I need you to understand, if there is time, I'm going to teach you now, on the seven levels of growth. So as we are all seated here, we have different growth levels. We are all not the same. Are you following me? We are not the same. Some are more mature than others. But like I said, without a desire to grow, you not grow. We got born again one notorious, powerful guy who, was, who, who once was doubled into certain powers. We got him born again and delivered. Mr. Vincent is the one who is um, nurturing him in the Lord. Every morning when you go to his place, he's playing my messages. And you put it on Bluetooth. Make noise in the area. Every morning when you go, he's listening to it. That guy is now getting the desire to grow. It's just a matter of time. The guy will catch up. Are you following that? So there should be a certain desperation, a certain hunger. If that thing is not there, even the effort to do it won't come. Are you following this? So now, now number, number five. The pride of the Godhead 
is that we grow into Christ-likeness. One of the best ways of making God proud is that you grow. When God sees that you are growing, it is his greatest pride. Have you realized if you've given birth before, you realize when your child is able to recite 1 to 50, there is a joy inside you. You want to showcase. You say, come, 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 come and tell them from 1 to 50. Unfortunately, <laughs> But when you realize your child has gotten the thing, you can't say, hey, PJ, come, 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 come and tell them 1 to 30. 1, 5. <laughs> It's not like that. It's not like that. Say it again. But when you realize the child has mastered something, you are just proud. It's like you are happy the child is walking. You are, you are happy the child is talking. The, the one month, the first time his child called him, Daddy, he, he made his day. He was happy. He, he can say, Daddy. He can say, Daddy. And so, so the mother said, Say, Mommy. He said, Daddy. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the father becomes proud that you are growing. Are you following this thing? So God's greatest pride is that he sees you growing. He watches you in heaven. He's like, yeah, that's my boy. That's my girl. Look at her reading the Bible. Look at her. It's fasting. Or come on the crown the day. Hey, or vampire. I get two hours. Wow, you were able to pray two hours for the first time. In the spirit, God does you high five. Like, he gives you high five. Like, yeah, you did it. You were doing 6 to 12. All of a sudden, this 6 to 4. Say, God, you got it. Move it. The next day, why is 6 to a cock of before? Say, nobody watch it. What's that? My father's like, I'm shocked. I'm going to go. I'll be a master angel. Say, I'm on bro. Heavenly abode. Don't know who did this. So, when you are making the efforts to grow, God is excited. Tell somebody God is excited when he sees you growing. Are you getting blessed? Please, this note you are making, it, take note of it. Oh. Finally, the four D's of maturity. So that tomorrow, next week, we can just go straight into it. Next week, then we are going straight. Four D's of maturity. You can write them down. Let me explain them. Number one is deliverance. Four D's of maturity. Remember, we are dealing with Christian maturity. Number one is deliverance. Number two is discipleship. The third D is called deployment. And the fourth D is called dominion. They are the four D stages of maturity. Now, the first stage of maturity is what? Deliverance. We call that salvation. So when you are saved, you are delivered. That's the first stage. So anybody that wants to come into the economy or kingdom of God must first be delivered from the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1.13, and must be transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. We call that salvation. That's deliverance. That's the first D. You getting that? The second D is what we call discipleship. So, after deliverance, the next thing is to be discipled. And discipleship is what we call spiritual growth. Are you following that? So, there are Christians who have been delivered. They are born again. They are saved. 
But the second day has not become a reality. They are not discipled. They are not growing. Praise God. So, so discipleship is receiving ministry. It's receiving ministry. You are being taught. You are being groomed. Last week I shared some very striking statement. Jesus spent a maximum of three years with his disciples to prepare them for the work of ministry. Which is actually a standard for us as believers. When you get born again and you are a serious Christian, you should be able to go through full discipleship within three years. Which means within three years of following Jesus, via prayer, via teaching, via doctrine, you are supposed to grow to a place where you can also disciple others. Are you following? So your minimum is three years. So if after three years of being a Christian, you are not growing, there is a problem. Because by now, you ought to be a teacher, but yet you are not being taught again the fundamental principles of Christ. Some of you is now 10 years. It's 15 years. There is a problem. The second is what the problem is. But here's another big one. There are many Christians who have remained in discipleship. And I'm going to tell you the danger of remaining here. Do you know that there is a kind of growth that is called obesity? If you remain a disciple of Christ and you are always eating, a time is going to become, it's going to come because you are not working to burn calories, you become obese spiritually. Your growth becomes still. Listen, when you remain in discipleship for a long time and you are not putting discipleship into work, you can backslide. And I'll tell you why. A time is going to come, pride will hit you because everything that needs to be taught on discipleship, you know it. But you are doing nothing. You are not doing any of the things that you know. It becomes dangerous for you. That is why after discipleship, you must move to the next day called deployment. Have you noticed I use the, the word what? Deployment, not employment. Because no Christian is unemployed. The harvest is plenty. Employment. Laborers are few. Deployment. So every child of God is already employed. The problem is that they are not deployed. To be deployed is to be released to go and work. So no Christian has an employment problem. The problem is a deployment problem. You fulfilling your assignment. So listen, after deliverance, there is discipleship. You being prepared for deployment. So now you are actively growing others. You are doing evangelism. You are taking active part in ministry. You are saving souls, winning souls, bringing people to church, teaching people about Jesus Christ, visiting people. You are active. That is called deployment. You are fully functioning as a child of God. And hear this. That is when you come to the fourth day called what? Dominion. Listen. There's a process to arrive at a place where God commits dominion to you, okay? You must be delivered. You must be discipled. You must be what? 
deployed in the act or process of being deployed when you are faithful God gives you dominion to function so the final phase of maturity is when you begin to see the believer walking in dominion he dominates in every space he finds himself God entrusts it to him. So, there are many people who want to walk in dominion. They, they, they don't want to be discipled. They are running away from discipleship. They can't stand long prayers. They can't stand short prayers. They can't stand long teaching. They can't stand the, the rigor that makes disciples of Christ. And they want to walk in dominion. It's not possible. So, when you are fully discipled and deployed, Dominion follows automatically. Are you following? Why many Christians are not growing? Sure. Why many Christians are not growing? So, question, why are many Christians not growing? Number one, very simple. Laziness and procrastination. Laziness and procrastination. Christians are not growing because, number one, they are simply lazy. They are lazy to submit themselves to the systems and protocols that procures their, procures, uh, procures their growth. They look into their Bible and exchange their Bible for a movie. They are fasting and then they eat at 11 a.m. You're supposed to do something for the Lord. Read a book or something says, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. The next day, I'll do it tomorrow. The next day, I'll do it tomorrow. The next day, I'll do it tomorrow. You will never grow if you're a lazy believer. You will never grow if you're lazy. That's number one reason why many Christians are, are not growing. Laziness. They are simply lazy. They will sleep, 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 sleep. I just woke somebody up. I said the word, sleep, 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 sleep. You can't grow that way. I'm teaching good here. Number two. Reason why Christians are not growing. Fear of responsibilities that comes along with growth. The fear of responsibilities that comes along with growth. There are so many Christians who don't want to grow because they fear being responsible. You can imagine the ministers here. When we close church and everybody's going, they come as early as 6 o'clock. The church workers, some of them leave as late as 3.34. Some leave at 5. Some leave at 6. Some leave as, as late as 7 p.m. Meanwhile, they came here earlier. They spent over 12 hours here. When I, when I was far, 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 far younger, one of my fears, I didn't want to grow because my sisters were washing for me. They were washing for me, so I just dirty the things, then they wash it. 
So I was afraid that when I grow, I'll wash my own things. Eventually, I grew and I started washing. But one of the reasons why many Christians don't grow is because of the fear of responsibilities. When we close church, you have to wait for a meeting. I'm not a meeting believer. When you grow spiritually, you'll be given assignments. You'll be given responsibilities. I don't like, I don't like any commitment in church. I just want to give offering and go, leave me alone. That's why they don't grow. Number three reason why many Christians don't grow is excuses. Excuses. My work is tight. I'm now doing my master's. Master's, see them with the TTA. Right now, everybody in this church is doing masters. My masters. I'm doing PhD. By the time I come home, I'm tired. I'm having four children. They're always making noise. When I take the Bible to read, there's one who shall A, the other who shall B. So I'm not able to read. I'm not able to study. I'm not able to pray. Listen, if you are looking for excuses not to grow, there are thousand and one of them. I'm telling you. I'm too tired. When I wake up at dawn, I begin to sleep. I don't know what is wrong with me. Sometimes when I want to pray, then all my problems seem to be magnified before me. <laughs> Listen. Excuses. Listen, the very excuses you give why you're not growing are the very reasons why you must grow. If you want to get excuse, ah, the same person who said he's busy, he's able to reply on WhatsApp and up, update status. Isn't it shocking? You're able to go to Facebook, the same person doing masters. See, I tell people something very simple. Listen, if you say you are busy, eh, the day you are busy going to work and the police stops you and say, what's your license? I don't have my license. He said, get down. Will you tell him you are in a hurry going to work? So, there are circumstances where you'll be forced to make time. Are you following what I'm saying? If you're in the office and then you are busy working and they say your mama has been admitted to the hospital right now, she's on oxygen. You ask permission from your boss. You make time to go and see your mother. Listen, things that you deem important are things you make time for. So, if you don't make time for God, it's a sign he's not important to you. It's simple. So the very excuses you are giving is actually an indictment against you that you don't care about God and God is not important to you. That's what you're saying. Anything you prioritize, you make time for. Why do you make time to brush your teeth? Because you know your mouth will smell. Why do you make time to bath? Because you know you can't go out. You, you smell. Please, are you following what I'm saying? So things that are important to you are things you make time for. So if you don't make time for God, he is not important. Hallelujah. Number five. Number four. Why many Christians are not growing? Because of the sacrifices that growth will demand from them. Because of the sacrifices that growth will demand from them. They run away from growth because of the sacrifices that growth will demand. Growth will demand that you will fast though. Growth will demand that you pray. Growth will demand that you board the car, go to church. Growth will demand that you do all night sometimes. So, once 
you are not willing to sacrifice anything for growth, you can't grow. So the very spiritual things you are running away from are the protocols that will help you to grow. I'm teaching good here. And finally, many Christians are not growing because of Satan's onslaughts and attacks. Satan's onslaughts and attacks. So, many Christians are not growing because Satan attacks them. Can I share something beautiful with you? Hmm? In closing. Ready? It's a very simple statement. The moment you begin to take God serious, Satan takes you serious. The moment you begin to take God serious, Satan begins to take you serious. That's why Satan has no attack on serious believers. He leaves them because you're already in his camp. You don't attack camp members. <laughs> so the moment you begin to take God serious, Satan begins to take you serious because you are treading in the path of liberation. You are entering in dimensions where God's glory will be evident in your life. He doesn't like it. Several times we say it here that Satan fights and opposes two things. Number one is what? Salvation. He doesn't like souls to be saved. That's why it's difficult to get people born again most of the time. Number two, he fights what? Spiritual growth. So if you manage to be saved, he will say that, oh, so you, I fought your salvation, huh? you, are, you are born again. Let's see how you grow. So the moment the believer begins to take his Bible to read, Satan will attack you. When you want to pray, it is going to be very difficult the first one month when you are building a prayer life. You will feel tired. Your mind will be distracted. Sometimes in one prayer meeting, you will think about thousand foolish things you never imagined that will come to mind. You'll be thinking about food. You'll be thinking about women you don't even like. They'll come to mind. All kinds of thoughts will distract you. I'm telling you, these are all attacks of the enemy. Because you are beginning to take God serious. He will fight you. He will fight you with everything that he's got. So many failed because they were defeated by the devil. Hallelujah. If you have these things I've put here and you go through them and you are still the same, you're not making effort. Listen, listen. God blesses effort. He blesses effort. When he sees that you're making an effort and you're telling him to help you, he'll supply grace to help you. And hear this. The moment you begin the journey of walking in God, growing in God, there are going to be so many resistances but you need to persevere and continue in it and ask God for strength and help because in those efforts God will give you grace to be able to continue so never be discouraged when you take the Bible you begin dozing off don't be discouraged you decided to do an all night you woke up at 12 o'clock you just said you were sleeping one minute when you woke up it was 6 a.m. And you started feeling bad. Don't be discouraged. You made an effort, but that effort was bad. <laughs> Next time when you wake up, don't wait for one minute. When you wake up, wash your face. Get up. Put on some shorts.
Put on some trousers. Go outside the compound. Okay, in case it's a compound house, you just be in your room. You have your altar there. Then you start praying. You doze off. This Friday, we had, we had an all night. Okay? And um, one of the ministers, he said he was very tired. He slept during the whole all night. <laughs> and we went to the site and we were praying. And we were all standing. He was standing and sleeping. And I told him I'll preach against him today. Watch out. Anybody who's smiling too much is the person. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've not mentioned anybody's name. <laughs> I've not mentioned anybody's name. I've closed my sermon. Clap for Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not by might. <laughs> you want to bow down your head in a minute. You want to talk to God to help you to grow as a child of God. We have to go back to the basics. Too many Christians are expecting deep things. We want the simple things have been ignored prayer, Bible study, fasting. These things have been ignored, but we, 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 are, we, we want to do deep things. These days, there are too many deep revelations that people are even getting lost in them. They are getting more confused. The revelation is abounding, but men are getting more evil and darker. Christians know a lot too much. Our fathers knew little, but they accomplished much. We know so much, but we have forgotten the basics. The secret to the strength of the believer has been ignored. You want to tell the Lord to help you to be a faithful Christian. You want to tell him to help you to grow as a child of God.